Hi guys, this is Drew uh, from the Cellcast, of course. You probably already know what I'm going to say, but we are finally reached the end of season two of our uh, Star Trek Lower Decks coverage on these re-releases that we're doing in preparations for not only these Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover, but also season four. All of this starting Labor Day weekend. Um, of course, we're doing we're re-releasing these because. Seasons two and three were a part of other episodes and seasons one and the upcoming season four won't be. So we thought it'd be easier just to have all this in one location. Uh, if you, I have failed to mention the last couple episodes, if you are liking what we're doing this, please let us know. We may decide to do this with the other ones. And if so, probably we'll put that in a new RSS feed. Not sure yet, but, uh, this episode, we are reviewing the last two episodes of season two, which are Wedge Dudge and First First Contact. This was originally part of our The Cat Returns review, and for this episode, we did have a guest with us. That would be PaulJPowers.com. Uh, we thank him for joining us on this episode, but uh, yeah. In the meantime, here's your episode, and uh, we'll catch y'all later. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, new civilization to boldly go where no man has gone before So before we get into this, Paul, I am curious, have you watched any of Star Trek Lower Decks before this? Um, I have seen, I saw uh, season one when it first came out. I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. And I'm not a fan of, uh, how should we say, the more um, irreverent cartoons. Kind of like, I, I don't, I saw one episode of... Uh, um mork and not mork and mindy but rick and morty rick and morty yeah. dr pickle whatever uh <laughs> I, I, it, it's not for the me search for Szechuan sauce. yeah and so i was like <laughs> you know what I, I saw the first episode of the first season like all right i'll give it a try and i i didn't really like the uh like the hey mariner just like you know screw you guys i'm number one forget you her attitude mm -hmm. of, of that mm -hmm. Um, but I got to the end and it, it seemed to get a little bit better. Um, so I had just watched, uh, just season one. And then when I found out I was coming on with you guys to review a couple of, a couple of episodes of season two, I was like, all right, I'll watch up 
from the beginning of season two to whatever this is. Well, this is the end of season two. So this last week I, I binged watched the this this season. I think there's only ten episodes, or if that. Yeah, it's only yeah. 10 episodes but season. I didn't want to get, if there's any lagging stories in between, like Boimer going, you know, to the Titan, I, I want to be aware of these things. Not that right. not that it really matters, you know, because they reference things all the time that just go over your head and you're like, oh, well, moving forward, it doesn't really matter that much. You can kind of get the drift. But, well, there is an ongoing story. It's just in the background of what's going on. Right. So, <laughs> I, I could say, like Jacob, I have seen up to this point in this series. I have not seen okay. um, season three yet, but I will say that uh, watching season two, I've like I've come to like this. I think it's gotten better uh, as as the show has moved along. So I'm really starting to grow attached to these characters and like them. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the first episode we're reviewing tonight, which their the title is in Klingon. <laughs> and I think it's pronounced Wedge Dudge. Sure, we'll go with that. We'll yeah. go with that. Uh, it is directed by Bob Suarez and written by Catherine Lynn. Uh, in this episode, according to IMDb, the boy Boimler tries to find a bridge buddy while the USS Cerritos crew has a has downtime during a long warp trip. And that is so little of what is actually going on that in this true. episode. I was about to say that was a minor point. <laughs> that was a uh, minor story because the rest of this is watching all the other lower deck crews on the other ship. Yeah, the Klingons, uh, the, the Vulcans. The, Vul the best was the end credit ones. That's for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> What were you saying? I said Paul? the best was the end credit ones, and I don't. I, I don't. Yes. Oh, yes. And I won't say what that is, but it's a fun. Uh... I, I'll mention oh, okay. it here in just a second. <laughs> it's hilarious. The guest cast for this episode, and man, there's a lot of them. I do have to start off with Fred Tadasior, who normally plays Shax, who is a normal character, mm -hmm. but he also played uh, two different Klingon officers in this episode. Because three. Uh, Robert. Yeah, Robin Atkin Downs played an older Klingon officer and the Klingon first officer, Tog, who got killed right after we met him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> John Curry played Ma'a, who was the Klingon lower decker who was the captain by the end of this episode ah. of that ship. Uh, Colton Dunn played Klingon Captain Dorg, who was the villain of this particular episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rich Fulcher reprises his role as Rebnar from the last, what, two episodes, two, three episodes ago? So, yeah. Um, and he's also the voice of the Pac-Led computer and many of the Pac-Led lower deckers. <laughs> uh, Mark Evan Jackson is the voice of Vendome, who is the Vulcan who is available to play chess. Uh, Joy Bernson played Shara, who is the Vulcan unable to play chess. <laughs> Uh, Nolan North voiced uh, so Sokol, the Vulcan commander, and Gabrielle Ruiz uh, was introduced in this episode as Talyn. I say introduced because I was about to uh, say she, she did well. I won't go into season three, but it seems like she's gonna be a future character. She, she does not yeah. have a major role in season three. I will tell you that much. Oh. But it looks like she will in season four. Ah. Uh, Jess Lowe played uh, Tagai, the female Hawaiianer. Sure, who's really a mooner? Sure. Hawaii. Yeah. 
And then uh, uh, Carl Tart, of course, played Lieutenant Kayshawn. Hmm. Uh, the episode's title in Klingon translates to three ships, which is weird because there's actually four yes. ships. <laughs> I was just thinking anyway, that. Uh, the title card presents the title and in Klingon script. Mm -hmm. This is the first Star Trek episode title to begin with a lowercase letter and the first not to be written on the title card in a non-Latin alphabet. Nice. Series creator Mike McKayan originally planned to have the opening credits of the episode appear in both Klingon and Vulcan, but was unable to do so due to the time and expense it would have oh, added. Oh, that would have been amazing. Just to have it all in... Well, yeah, all three because it's three ships. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the first episode of the franchise that features a scene played during the end credits. So far, I think only. Hmm. Uh, Talen quotes Spock in this episode from Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country, saying that logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Hmm. Ironically, her headband resembles the one worn by Valeris in that movie. Yes. Uh, Sokol, the captain of the Cheval, has a meditation lamp that has a copy of the one uh kishara uh, copy copy of the one that spock had in his quarters uh dr taana's rock climbing holodeck program is representative rem reminiscent of james t kirk climbing el capitan at the beginning oh, of yes. star trek 5 the final frontier as was boimler's go climb a rock shirt yeah. and hover boots <laughs> captain freeman's ritos t-shirt echoes the disco t-shirts worn on star trek discovery when they're off duty and exercising the pack led puppet master who was previously sought by the USS Titan away team in case Sean, his eyes open was revealed in this episode to be Klingon captain Dorg Dorg quotes William Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar uh, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. The same line along with many other lines uh, from, from Shakespeare that was quoted by general Chang in star Trek six, the undiscovered mm -hmm. country. Of course, said in their original Klingon. Yes. <laughs> While playing Clue, Mariner casually mentions the sniper rifle that can shoot through walls, a reference to the TR-116 rifle modified by Chulak with a micro transporter featured in the DS9 episode Field of oh, Fire. Nice. <laughs> Ma'a mentions that other Klingons have tried to destroy the peace between the Federation and the Klingon Empire, as previously seen seen with uh, General Chang, Ambassador Kell, and the House of Duras. Ma'a, saying that Klingon blood runs as reddish-pink as ever, is a reference to the inconsistent variations of Klingon blood color throughout the franchise. I was hoping they'd throw in Pepto-Bismol, but they didn't. <laughs> Ex except <laughs> the color is pink. Yeah. Is that Pepto- same Pepto-Bismol pink every time you see blood in the in, for the Klingons yeah. here? Uh, two officers, a human and a Vulcan, each wore a leotard in their off time, matching those worn by Deanna Troy and Beverly Crusher in the Next Generation episode, The Price. Nice. So, uh, Paul, since you're our guest, what is your thoughts on this episode? Um, at first, it was very disjointed going from ship to ship. It wasn't um, as flowy as some of the other episodes. Mm -hmm. So that was a little... I want to say off-putting. On the other hand, it was great to see the perspective of the lower decks on each of the ships. So I yes. thought it was well yeah. worth that trade-off. Uh, I, I loved how uh, 
I, I loved being able to see a glimpse into that, how like the Klingons, they mm -hmm. said, oh, the Klingons were probably have it just as well as we do. And not only are they in like sleeping, like in close quarters, but they're on nets. Like they're not even built into yeah. the wall. They're just like hammocks yeah. in there. It's just like, yes, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> uh, is that all, all your thoughts on this uh, episode? For now, yeah. I'll interject more as people talk. <laughs> okay, Jacob, what are your thoughts on this episode? Um, I would say... Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, for some reason, I was getting this episode and the next episode confused. Obviously, there's a tie-in. There's yeah. a connection. There's a connection with it, obviously. But the the I, I love the idea we get to see the other like the other lower decks of like mm -hmm. the Klingons and the, the Balkans. I enjoy that. I really enjoy that. I enjoy that. Uh, definitely. This is a, like, it, it turns into what I enjoyed about the movies where you get a lot more action based, mm -hmm. like towards the end. Like you get this like little glimpse of what's going on. It's like, Oh, there's a distress beacon going on. There's like a, a fluctuation of energy going on like mm -hmm. the, the Vulcans are the first one to pick it up and they're like it's like you'd be like you're you're going outside your parameters with this and uh and the like the uh Cerritos crew picks up on it and they jump out of warp mm -hmm. and you get in this like mad dog fight and the, I was like oh my gosh this is like really really I, I thought it was really cool I thought it was like okay we're finally getting to see something you know some like action. what I'm used to in the movies, some action yeah. going on. Yeah. Thank you. You got to see some stuff blow yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't want to play it out as like I'm just here for the action, man. But it's just like it was, it was like this, this. What I understand about Star Trek, Star Trek as a television show, mm -hmm. is about. It's more about exploring. It's more about understanding like exploring different worlds and for me from the movie perspective it's about what like really dangerous situation our characters are going to get into this time and like lower decks does that but then you get into the this episode in the next episode it is just so it'd be like it takes the uh the movie format of the adventure the adventure and the uh the excitement mm -hmm. of like, oh, you got real peril. You got real peril going on. And it's just not, you know, inner character dialogue, which I enjoy on this show. And I I hope <laughs> I'm not rambling and sounding like a knucklehead, but um or well, not um, any more than normal. Huh? Not any more than normal. Oh, thanks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's still coming up. Come on, man. Come on, Dlit. She says it'll wear off by, by morning. Okay. Do I really have to go buy a litter box now? Unless you can hold it by morning. She says you sh that part shouldn't be affected, but thank you for giving us all that mental image. <laughs> You're most welcome. <laughs> I enjoyed this episode. It was really good. It was a very well done. Uh, the, the point where like all three story points converge where the... Um, Acklets and the the Romul the Romulans the Klingons are are in alliance. But the, in the Romulans were not in this episode. No, the Romulans <laughs> were not in this episode. It was the Klingons, 
and uh i enjoy where the uh the klingon lower decker lower deck attendee not attendee come on jacob use your words right <laughs> The, the 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 Klingon he he rises in ranks and over uh, um, overthrows the 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 captain mm-hmm. realizing the captain is in the wrong and be like this is not the way that you know Klingons don't do this Klingons don't do this and uh, be like he he kills the captain and becomes the captain yeah and it's just like let's just get out of here be like like this is not the way to do we're gonna go back to the council and uh, we're we're gonna like we're, we're going to make this right. Mm-hmm. And I was like that Bravo. That's a great character art. Great, great character jump for this character. And we, I don't know if we meet this character again later on in season three, maybe uh, we haven't yet. Oh, okay. And the season's over. So maybe he'll come back in four. I don't know. Oh, okay. But with this episode focusing on the other lower decks of other ships and other uh, species, uh, it was a light. It was a light, and definitely when you get at the very end of it, with the um, the the Vulcans coming in and saving the Cerritos, mm-hmm. uh, that was a real treat. That was nice. I, I there again, kind of going back to the movies. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this episode, and definitely the way they tie it in with how the end of the series, end of season three goes. I really enjoy it so far. All right. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Also, uh, my, I do like seeing, you know, the other blower deckers and the other ships. I I still think the pack led one is the funniest. Oh gosh. It's like, I'm hungry. Well, you should eat mushroom. That's good idea. And then they don't eat anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, the, the whole idea that the, the pack led issues that we've been facing since, uh, the end of season one, Mm -hmm when they keep coming up is all because we, we finally get some answers on that. All that, yeah. all that stuff's coming from Dorg, uh, a Klingon who's just trying to, you know, still not, he's faced the, 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 the taste of war from, you know, the dominion war. Cause this is takes place after that in the, mm-hmm. in the star Trek franchise. But uh, maybe he's really thinking that, you know, much like general Chang in star Trek six, that you know we need to go back to this this is you know being with the federation is making us soft so that's mm-hmm. why he's setting up this to try and cause a war to mm-hmm. happen yeah. because he wants to die in honorable combat technically he did die in combat whether or not that was an honorable death is another matter entirely <laughs> that's for the klingon council to decide exactly, exactly. um so yeah, the whole episode I did actually I did enjoy. This is one of my favorites, and I am interested to see what's going to happen with Talyn, uh going forward. The Vulcan version of Mariner, mm-hmm. which is really kind of how she it feels like in this yeah, episode. Sure like yeah, Mariner. that's a good point. And I I like the the actress, her voice and her yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Her character design reminded me of. A Vulcan we have seen before. Maybe it kind of reminded me of like the Vulcan in Star Trek Six, played by uh, the mannequin lady from Sex in the City. Um, <laughs> you mean Valeris? Yeah, is the, uh, is the character uh, name? I don't remember the actress's name. Right, or the I don't know. It, it kind of reminded me of some other Vulcan female we've seen. The, so uh, the only other character she her design reminds me of is actually a Bajoran 
uh, Lieutenant Rowe mm. at the end of TNG. Okay. But that's an entirely different character. It's just her yeah. design kind of looks like that. Maybe it's the headband. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. All right. So let's go ahead and go ahead into the last episode of season two. First, first contact directed by Jason Zurich and written by Mike McKeon. In this episode, the USS Cerritos is tasked to aid another starship on a first contact mission. Uh, in this episode, we've got uh, Phil Lamar uh, as the first officer and Admiral Freeman. Lauren Lapkus playing Jennifer Schreyen. Jim Piddock as Commander Mandel. The voice on the com badge and crewman Horde, played by Ryan Ridley. Billups, played by Paul Shear, And Carl Tart, playing Lieutenant Kayshawn. And in this episode, we have a special guest star. Lysia Naff reprising her role of Sonia Gomez, now a captain. Because uh, when Captain Gomez makes a nervous instant who trips, uh, she explains how she's done way worse in front of many more intimidating captains. This being a reference to the memorable scene from the Next Generation episode Q Who, in which Gomez accidentally spills a cup of hot chocolate on Captain Picard's uniform. Oh, oh nice. She is reprising her role. Uh, she was introduced as an ensign in the Star Trek Next Generation episode Q Who, and last seen in Samaritan Snare, the episode which introduced the Packlets. In universe, about 16 years have passed since these events while more than 32 years have passed since the first release of Samaritan Snare. This likely marks the longest real-world time span between two appearances of a character who is still portrayed by the same actor. Previously, Korn and Arn Darvin, portrayed by John Colicos and Charlie Brill, respectively, appeared on Star Trek Deep Space Nine over 28 years after their last appearance on the original series. Nice. This episode marks the third time the phrase First Contact is used in the title of a Star Trek installment, the first two being the Next Generation episode, First Contact, and the movie Star Trek, First Contact. This title refers to First Contact Mission's prestigious assignments in which Starfleet engages in alien culture for the first time. Despite her mission profile usually focusing on Second Contacts, the USS Cerritos is assigned to support the USS Archimedes during First Contact, with the Lapirians. After the Archimedes is disabled, Captain Gomez allows Captain Freeman to finish the assignment, marking the first such accomplishment for the captain and her crew. This is the first Star Trek episode to feature the title, the, the uh, end title to be continued mm. since the Star Trek Enterprise fourth season episode, Demons. So that's a little over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, as solutions to save the Archimedes are discussed, Kayshawn suggests warping around the debris field. Most characters hectically dismiss the idea, and Shax can be heard yelling, Dr. Aaron says that we can't do that. This is a reference to Dr. Aaron McDonald, the science consultant on Star Trek Lower Decks. Huh. Throughout the episode, Brad Boimler is making preparations for Captain Freeman Day, including a banner similar to the one seen for Captain Picard, day in the next generation episode the pegasus several characters point out that the festivities are actually on arts and crafts day intended for children or in the case of the uh, cetacean the the, or calves in other words uh due to the accomplishments during the episode boimler later crudely changes the banner to read happy first contact 
Uh, Tindy is excited at the prospect of going to the off-limits rubber ducky room, referencing the barely visible rubber ducks included on Easter eggs by Michael Okuda in the Master System displays on both uh, the Enterprise-D and the Cerritos. Nice. A captain's yacht is shown for the second time in this episode after its first appearance in Insurrection. Similar vessels have often been included in Master System displays and background information about various uh, ship classes. At the As the implant of Samantha Rutherford once again malfunctions, he quickly views several backup memories of moments he had spent with Devon Attendee, most of which are taken from previous episodes. Notably, one previous unseen memory sees Rutherford intending celebrating a New Year's Eve in 2381, while another sees the pair painting a new Jack Ransom in an apparent art class. <laughs> Rutherford also views and dismisses a memory in which he seemingly receives the implant for the first time. This unidentified shadowy figure in figures indicate that Rutherford actually does not need the implant and imply that it must have nefarious may have nefarious uses unbeknownst yeah. to him. More on that in season three. Cetacean Ops is shown for the first time after several mentions and references in previous episodes, starting with Second Contact. Its function is revealed to be associated with the ship's navigation. A similar facility was mentioned to exist aboard USS Enterprise-D in the Next Generation episode Yesterday's Enterprise and The Perfect Mate. It has also been included as a piece of background lore in publications such as the Star Trek Next Generation Technical Manual, Star Trek The Next Generation Blue, uh, Enterprise-D Blueprints. Uh, Matt and Kimolu, our two beluga whales, are first shown are the first shown Starfleet officers from an Earth-based species other than humans. And I have a bunch of other ones in here. Other uh, than humans? Trivia. Mm -hmm. And it goes on for a long period of time. But you know what? I'm going to skip over the rest of this. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't understand that. Oh, Earth-based other yeah, than Earth -based. humans. I was about to say all the others. Every, every species out there is other than human, but Earth-based other than Earth -based, human. Earth-based, yeah. Because there's so, technically a third Earth-based species in Star Trek, which we have only seen in Voyager, which are descended from the dinosaurs, but okay. they're not in this episode. Okay, so the cats aren't from Earth. Okay. No, okay. they're actually, they are one of the uh, species are... that were originally created for Star Trek, the animated series. Yes, which I've seen a couple. I, I love that they tie it all. First of all, I got one of the things that I love about, uh, I just want to throw this in there about Lower Decks. Yes. As a fanboy... I love all the connections uh, and using and references from all these others. Unlike another star franchise that tries to say, no, this is canon and this is not, it's kind of separating. This show pulls together and I, I, even I the applaud silliest, it for it. Even the silliest things. Yes. Yeah. It makes it even better when they do that. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So Paul, since you are talking about, are you talking, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you liked about this episode? Um, because <laughs> um, there's 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 some things about this like it's really weird because these last two episodes are so different from the rest almost the rest of the series almost the rest of the series each episode is mainly a standalone there are a few like leftovers that can be fed into other these these really are are more serialized than the rest i would say um, so it's not a great jumping off point for anyone coming into the series, just as a warning, um, get some background with some other episodes, but that mm -hmm. being said, 
Um, they're, they're, sorry, I'm trying to think of something, something that I liked. There's a lot more drama. There's a lot more, a lot of things in this. There's a lot more drama, like the the whole like upper decks, or, or forget what they're called, the, the the bridge against the captain because she's they think she's gonna leave, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of hostility there that there usually isn't. Um, but one of the things that I found intriguing about this episode is the whole idea of taking off the outer hull to yeah. to navigate through this you know the the this asteroid field for layman's terms just to and because they have to take it off for science reasons fine i get that mm -hmm. um i thought it was a it was a great idea something in star trek that you've never seen before i mean that was yeah. just hard to do something I mean, you could not have done in the age of the of the ship models yeah i suppose so i i, I can't i was trying to think when was the last time something like this has been done something where it's like you take an integral part of the show and you make a new thing out of it. It's like, oh, this is a new thing that uh, that can be done. And I, I don't mean like, oh, we, we changed the, the replicators to now make mm -hmm. coffee instead of you know, whatever. But the last time I could think of something this major is the first episode of Next Generation when they do the saucer separation. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, wow, they... They do a major ship uh, modification for for reasons. Uh, yeah. It's a good reason. Now, guiding through the the asteroid field or whatever it is without that outer skin and keeping bumping into things, I just like why why isn't the ship blowing up? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> they they made it sound like that that's an, a second. I guess it is a secondary hole technically that maybe the inner hull can actually do a good nut set the same kind of job of protecting I, it from the rocks but yeah and the it, thing it, is you do see that there was at least some punctures into the in, in that last shot sure you know, the, it's amazing the, what hull. you know as many star trek shows and, and movies that i've seen and like like it's amazing what damage these ships can take and still <laughs> yeah, function yeah. <laughs> yes and then for most of the episode, I'm like, why does it say first, first contact? Why is why is it first, first? And then by the end, you realize, oh, it's Cerritos' first, first contact. Oh, yeah. okay, that's clever. Okay, so that 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 was clever. Um, it's interesting to see where this story is going. This this whole uh, I don't know if it's A story, B story. They get kind of intertwined, or like. Yeah. They do. in lower decks uh but um i'm trying to think what else happens in this i think that's the it, 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 pretty much it's that whole thing we got uh getting in there and saving keeping the the other ship from you know crashing into the planet mm -hmm. i guess yeah um, usually there's like a major story and like a mine a couple minor stories going on but this i think the only other minor story is is the captain keeping the secret like she's gonna there is the idea that tendy thinks that she's going to be taken off the ship because yeah. oh uh, that's right she that... overhears dr taana say that she's not fit to be in medical and it's yes. because she's actually uh wants her to move up wants her to move up and which is a areas. wonderful payoff from uh -huh. all the drama with oh, the captain yeah. going on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that so. that's the only really B story because I mean the yeah. only other one is Boimler being 
wanting to get credit for Captain Freeman Day. Oh gosh. Oh yeah, that yeah. was Which annoying. Is a stupid <laughs> joke. Um yeah. Which I do I, I, I do have one issue and I don't it's because I don't think any other Star Trek television show or movie has done something I think this stupid. Why on earth did they when they designed the Cerritos did they put a console at the bottom of a water-filled tube that's supposed to be water-filled yeah that can only be operated by someone with hands yeah it, even yeah. if it is something that should almost never have a need to be used yeah it, it's almost like what is the only exit of a cat world at the top of a high <laughs> tower it's like plot well, reasons that's the yeah, only reason why I, I, reason. It's, it's a nice the only reason it's a yeah. nice little uh a, a little sequence don't get me wrong it's just right it just seems like Starfleet does some weird things in their ship designs from time to time. Yeah, but this that is one of the sense. stupidest things they've I've seen them do. Mm, I agree with that, and also Boibler being so wanting to take credit for his preparations for the Captain's Day seems kind of out of character. For it, it really feels him. like they really didn't know what to do with this character this episode. Yeah, except for that one sequence, and yeah. they thought, oh well, this whole Captain Picard, we'll make a Captain Picard Day jokes right with his character which is all fine is, but his yeah. but to the degree that he, he takes it i thought was yeah too far yeah. for him anyway yeah but anyway uh do we have anything else we need to talk about before we end this episode uh i i think with uh when it comes to tinley and rutherford with uh tinley like scared death she's gonna get you know booted off the cerritos mm -hmm. and uh rutherford not wanting to lose his memories that he has with uh tinley yeah and uh i think he's still spooked from the end of last season yeah he's still spooked right. about it and i enjoy where it's one of the characters come to him and be like hey if if you be like you keep all these memories you're gonna have any any there's not gonna be room to grow mm -hmm. i mean I, he he makes that decision to delete all of it and you get that little that little flash <laughs> and be like be like oh there's something like something in his past that he doesn't like maybe he wasn't supposed to remember i i enjoy that obviously it's something in season three and i'm we'll over here trying not there. to say something yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there when we we'll get there I'm, um, I'm just saying that all, all i will say for this for, for that little sequence mm -hmm. this 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 is allowing that this show to actually do the uh world building that star trek picard did not do oh i'm just gonna put that out there okay sure and what the uh it's like when it comes to the reveal that it's like oh the captain is actually under arrest for uh the suspicion uh, of of blowing up an entire planet. planet yeah which i thought was a great twist oh yeah that mm -hmm. was nice because uh, ca uh captain what's her, what's her name captain, uh, captain Gomez? freeman freeman Thank freeman you. freeman yeah. yeah captain freeman be like it's this entire setup to where like oh she's gonna be promoted she's gonna be promoted yeah and uh, it turns out nope she's getting arrested <laughs> mm -hmm. i was like oh that's nice and then it leads into what season they're three. Leads yeah, into season, season three. three and what i understand a lot of shenanigans happen <laughs> oh season three i think is better than season two in my opinion oh, oh wow because okay. i thought season two was better than season well, one well see here's the I would thing agree with you there for me uh, my problem with season two is it feels like they for out even with the second viewing it feels like they were not sure where they were going with some different things, mm. which is why we have an entire episode named after 
the replacement security officer with Kayshawn, and then like two episodes later, Shax is back. Mm. So it's like they well, they knew they, they they couldn't bring Shax back immediately, but then they bring this other character in for like now he's just a background character that shows up from time to time. It what so I've, and what and it's, it it seemed like the whatever they're thought of of the and, and of course they backtracked quickly on Boimler being on the Titan. Yeah, really quickly. One yeah. episode, two episodes actually. That, oh yeah, two episodes. I thought that was a great out though. <laughs> I agree, it was. I now, thought it was great. Now I will say a lot. Uh, a lot of my issues with season two, and in some of that really does get fixed when we get to season three because mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of, they know where their story is going now. I, I was about say that. to it say it really felt like at the beginning of season two they didn't yeah. know how to jump how to jump out of season one and continue a, continue the story. So they had a couple of quick episodes that, you know, maybe were not pushing a story forward, even though you did have the stuff with the pack leads mm-hmm. that the Titan was do, dealing with. Yeah. But by this point, I mean, really by, I'd say, epi- episode five, they knew what where they were going and they could continue it forward from there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me because from what I, what it feels like to me is that season one is very much, uh, an episode by episode Mm -hmm. uh whatever you call it but season two is a transition from episodic to serialized yeah actually having a continuing story right you have some at the beginning you have some stories overlapping very few but then by the end it's like all the all almost all the stories are beginning to over Mm -hmm. continue and overlap and so there it's that transition that yeah that's a little awkward and the thing is there's there is continuity uh, starting in this season that seems to actually affect uh stuff going forward like so, uh, the, like the relationship we saw between taana i yeah yeah dr taana and shacks yeah that, uh, throughout the season even though it was kind of not in your face but it was there if you're watching it that right. continues forward the all the stuff dealing with jennifer will continue going forward uh especially after this episode um yeah they, and they... and the whole thing with and, and the fact that they're actually playing with rutherford's past Mm -hmm. i think it's actually going to take elements from seat from season one namely a certain character that was my favorite character from season one okay one episode character well two episodes he was in two episodes Mm, okay certain holographic oh no he doesn't come back but they are actually bringing the logic forward as to what's causing what, what the whole deal what with the uh, rutherford's deal oh okay that actually will play in all the way to the last episode of season three really yeah that's a lot going on just those stories that we mentioned between the captain and uh-huh. everyone that you just yeah. mentioned now that's a lot going on and they keep all the great star trek references all the way through in fact season three has a ton of guest characters good and it never That's feels my like my favorite parts and it never feels like the, there's like one or two or feels like they added them because we needed one this episode mm. but they all a lot of them do feel like story relevant or at least mm. really good jokes mm. especially in the next episode grounded okay with bill murray groundhog day no <laughs> not quite let's let's just say this one actually while we've only had one episode so far that took place on earth this next episode has a is mostly takes place on earth 
and a lot of the Earth places that Star Trek has gone. Okay. Just I got you'll it. have to wait and see. We'll, we'll be we'll uh, we'll get there when we, when get, we get there. there. Paul, since you are our guest this evening, why don't you tell us where we can find you at and what kind of cool stuff you're doing? Well, I am pauljpowers.com. You can find me at pauljpowers.com and see what I'm up to there. All my social media links. Um, nothing too exciting except that uh, you can always find me at the Retro Rewind podcast uh, where we review movies and games that are 15 years and older. Um, and we have hundreds of episodes out. It's been it's uh, coming up to our 10th year anniversary. So nice. Um, you can uh, go to RetroRewindPodcast.com and there's a search button. If Search for any of your favorite movies or games and uh, give us a listen. See if uh, we're worth your time, I guess. All righty. Uh, I think, though, that's probably going to be it for us tonight. Uh, so in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And this is PaulJPowers.com. <laughs> and we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox at Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's Photo Bin, to see his photography. His letterbox page at G George 759. His Twitter at G George 759 and Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.